0: you're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast.
1: All right, remain standing as we go again to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, starting at verse 25, Ephesians 5, starting verse 25. I'm reading from the New King James, and it reads, Husbands, love your wives. You can just stop right there. Husband, love your wives, not the side chick, love your wife. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish so husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the lord does the church for we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones Let me also add another scripture that we've gone over, Hebrews 13 and verse 4. Hebrews 13 and verse 4 says, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. You can be seated. So we've been talking over the last two weeks now, which will be the third week from the subject of of love, marriage, and sex. But today, I even want to go deeper into the whole concept and the question, even, for some of marriage. You know, we we live in a time, y'all, where everybody's questioning everything. Things that we valued, everything is being questioned, really. Everything. And and you need to have an answer. The Bible said, be able to give an answer of anyone who asks of the hope that lies. everything's being being questioned now. You know, one of the things that, for example, I'm getting off, but it's all right. Something I, a point I do want to make. Uh, The value of a college education is being questioned now. Okay? Um, What we as African Americans strive to, tried to get to, didn't have the money to get, pushed our children to get, now they're questioning the value of a college education and they're looking at it strictly from a dollar-per-dollar from dollar return on investment. Well, some of that depends on how you finance it. It also depends on where you, go, where you go to school. You got some options, okay? But I'm going to go on record of saying as a pastor of mostly, we well not only, but mostly African-American people, a college education is worth it for us. We have many doors closed to us that they were always able to keep closed because they could say we weren't qualified. And now they're telling you, making you question whether you need one, and so now they're going believe me, they're going to go back and start saying it again. You don't qualify to come to this door because you don't have the education. Now, education, college education, not for everybody, okay? If you barely made it through high school and, and you just ain't going to do the work, then it's no sense of trying to make you go to college. You know, Chandler had to convince me he was ready, he was ready to go. I said, I ain't spending no money, on you go to college. No, sir. And he said, the Lord told me. All of a sudden he heard the Lord. <laughs> the Lord told me I'm going to North Greenville University and I'm gonna play football. I'm like, well, who who are you the, I'm the I'm the, I'm the pastor. He told me the Lord told, and the Lord did tell him that, and we worked it out. But initially I wasn't going to spend money on him to go to college because it did not appear that he valued school. Things changed for him. He's, he, he's, he, I, I, one time, I called Chan. I said, you know you're a late bloomer. And he, So I got a statement I got from Pastor Chan. He says, a late bloomer is still a bloomer. Look at somebody and say, a late bloomer is still a bloomer. So I this he wasn't trying to spend, OK. Uh, but education for us. As African-American people has opened up doors. But and so I don't always even just evaluate college education from the perspective of return on investment. So they say you spend this on college on loans and, and how long it's gonna take, say it's gonna take about 15 years to get that return back if you try to look on a dollar-for-dollar dollar basis. But the other thing is that the main thing I discovered about college education is that it helps open up your mind to think. Okay? Now somebody's gonna get mad at me by saying this, by saying this. Most of the people who support the person who looks like they're going to be the Republican nominee for president are not college educated. What does that tell you? No, I'm very serious about it. The majority, check it out, are people who don't think. All you got to do is connect certain dots. And this ain't about politics right now, because I vote a Democrat and I vote Republican. There's a whole lot of that former president's policy, some of which I agree with, okay? Many I agree with. I just can't agree with him, (laughs) you understand? And and so college helps you to think, expands your mind. It also brings you into contact with other people who got expanded minds. It gives you connections you otherwise would not have. So I, I just want to go on records, so because if people are trying to make us question the value of a college education, I'm telling you it is still valuable, especially for us as a people. Yes, Jesus made the difference between me and my family, but a college education did too. Make no mistakes about it. Amen. When I was a social worker, when I when I became a, one of my first jobs, one of my first jobs, because that first year I was just trying to make it. Okay? I went from job to job. You say, you're going to pay me $200 more a year. I'm going to go over here. We'll give you $300. <laughs> I was, every, just more looked like more to me. In that first, but then when I, when I got settled about a year after I got married, I mean, I, after I graduated from college, I settled into being a social worker, and you, all you had to have was a bachelor's degree. Bachelor, bachelor's degree in anything. You can become a, a, a social worker. Especially history, I had a degree in sociology, and then as things went on, now they said no, you have to have a bachelor's in social work. Then things went along to that same job today, they want a master's in social work. What, what, and so what they're doing, they keep raising the ante. Y'all, y'all need to see the handwriting on the wall. They're trying to raise, the, raise things to keep certain people out. We believe the favor of God. Yes, we believe the favor of God. But some of y'all don't have that much faith in the favor of God. You need to be qualified, amen. All right, now let me get to the message. Distracting me with this education stuff, okay? So I want to talk about why, why marry. Having told me people haven't questioned, people question. So people are questioning the institution of marriage. We've been talking about love and marriage, but a lot of people say, Why marry? So the scripture tells us that marriage is honorable. Uh, Hebrews 13 and 4, the New Living the Translation of the verse, that verse says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in your marriage, because God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. The message translation makes that verse real clear. Hebrews 13 and 1, the message translation says, Honor marriage. And God, the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. So why does God promote and highly esteem marriage? And so we've already established over the last couple of weeks that God, through his word, has restricted and limited sex to only take place within the boundaries of marriage, even though it's good, even though you got the urge to merge before you get married, okay? But why? We looked at Deuteronomy 5.33, which gives us a key, not only about this whole sex thing, but of of following God's principles in any area of our life, whether that's finances, or marriage, or parenting, or how you do business, or how you treat other people. God's word is supposed to be the standard for our lives in all areas of our lives. Deuteronomy 5.33, it says, ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may, watch this, so you can live. come on, somebody say, God wants me to live. What's the opposite of living? Dying. You can live in a way that's gonna cause premature death. So God said, if you follow my principles, you're going to live. He said, and then not only live, I want you to have a quality life. The second part, is said, so that things can go well with you. It's one thing to live. It's another thing for things to be going well with you. It's one thing to be married. It's another thing to be going well in your marriage. It's one thing to have children. It's another thing for, to, for things to be going well with your children. So God said, I want you to live. He said, I want things to go well with you. And then he says that you may prolong your days. That means, so now he says, I want you to live a long, healthy, quality life. That's why God has given us his principles. Not to try to keep us from having fun. Not to restrict us from, you know, from from enjoying ourselves and having a good time. No, God wants us to live. He wants us to live well. And he wants us to live long. Everything in God's word is for that reason. Even, you know, even I, I, was, I was talking earlier about, the, about the diet and that kind of stuff. And we as, we as New Testament Christians, unless you're seven-day Adventist, okay, we don't follow Levitical laws for diet, right? Uh, and by the way, our seven-day Adventist brothers and sisters who are Christians, they are known to be the healthiest people in America. None of y'all didn't know that. Okay, they're not, they're, statistically, they're known to be the healthiest people because they still follow the Levitical law, and some of them do it from a standpoint of, of self-righteousness. Okay, and so, but anything that you do according to the word, it's going to benefit you naturally. So all those things so that God said to eat and not eat, it wasn't because you're going to go to hell for eating pig feet. Huh? Your breath just may smell like it. You're gonna go to hell, okay? Uh, it, it's not because you're gonna go, but he said, "Why? Because I want you to live long, and I want you to live healthy." Amen. So everything in God's word is to benefit us, not just spiritually, but also benefit us, benefit us naturally. So the same thing comes to this marriage thing. So perhaps an even greater reason for us for why married is because God highly values and esteem marriage. He highly values and esteems marriage. But why? Because today, people are questioning everything. Questioning our values, questioning the word, and people say stuff like, it's just a piece of paper. How many of you have heard that said before? I'm not going to ask how many of you have said it. It's just a piece of paper. No, it's not just a piece of paper from God's standpoint. It's a God-ordained covenant that is blessed by God. God took, God created a man and woman in his image. He brings Eve to Adam, presents her, and he says, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And God blessed them. God bless is the union of marriage. And when God wanted to help Adam, he made and presented a wife to him. Jesus, is, God so highly esteems marriage that Jesus chose the marriage feast of Cana to demonstrate his first miracle. Paul compares the relationship between a husband and wife to that of the most intimate, most spiritual relationship—the relationship of Christ and the church. So, the goal should be for a Christian man is to get married, stay together. Yes. Let's stay together. Loving you, weather, weather, times are hard. So you know that. Come on, sing that third verse. Faithful the road we. (laughs) You don't know nothing about lift their voice and sing. We have come. That's what channel is over there doing. (laughs) That's why I told our choir, I said, we got to sing this at least once a year. (laughs) Yeah, God wants us to stay together. Okay. So the goal should be to get married, stay together, be productive, for you, your children, and your family, I'm going to say this probably several times in this message, and I'm not going to finish this today. I thought I'm going to finish, but every time I, I open up my lesson and my message, my sermon talk, I add more, keep adding more to it. Okay, marriages, y'all, are the foundation of families. Make no mistake about that. Marriages are the not children, marriages. Marriages are the foundation of families. And unfortunately, marriage statistics, uh, particularly among African Americans, aren't the best. Look at this regarding marriage statistics, specifically for um, black marriages. Okay, African Americans are the least married of any major racial or ethnic group in America. And according to the census of 2020, 30% of African Americans were married compared to 43% of Hispanics, 52% of whites, 58% of Asians, and also 50% of African Americans have never been married compared to 28% of whites. Both black and white Americans have similar divorce statistics, with 12% of each population currently divorced, which is higher than Hispanics, which is 9%, which is higher than Asians, which is only 5%, both blacks and Hispanics have the highest percentage of separation at 3% compared to 1% of whites and Asians. So as a people, we ain't getting married. But all of us know people who shacking. Mm, oh my Lord, Lord, here he go again. Yeah, we all know folks who shacking, okay? But we're not getting married. And so when marriages deteriorate, or we just don't get married, don't take place, or uh, specifically children continue to be born out of wedlock, children are often separated from fathers. I spoke to someone today, this week, one of our one of our key uh, pillars of members of our church, and, and they explained me. They said, "I never knew my father. I, I've known them for years. I never knew my father. I've heard that. I've heard that so much, particularly since I came to South Carolina. So many. I am not there. I'm not, not ask you to raise your hand, but so many people who don't know their fathers. If you don't know your father, that means you don't know your paternal uncles." If you don't know your father, that means that you don't know your paternal aunts. If you don't know your father, that means you don't know who your grandmother is and your grandfather is. Are y'all with me here? If, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. If I didn't know who my father was, I might not be saved today. I got saved because of relationship with my father's brother. Are y'all listening to me? I didn't get saved because my father or my mother. Like I got saved because of my uncle, who's the only man who I knew who was saved, who the rest of the family used to talk about. They used to talk about, yeah, he a preacher now, but he used to drink more than liquor, than such and such. He's a preacher now, but he used to go with so and so. He's a preacher now, but he used to smoke. And the more they talked about what he used to do, I realized a change has happened. The more they talk about what he used to do, I realize that Jesus can make a difference in your life. It made me more curious because all y'all talking about, he used to drink and used to get drunk, but you're drunk right now. (laughs) Because of relationship with my father's brother. Imagine, and, and so we all know, when you don't know your father is, then you don't know who you are. There's aspects of your life that are just ambiguous. When children, when marriages fall apart or don't take place, children often separate from fathers. And separation from fathers causes fathers to be absent. And absentee fathers create fatherlessness. And all of you here who are involved in some type of way with the with mental health or any of the social sciences, we know that all the societal ills are associated with lack of family cohesiveness and more specifically with fatherlessness. You name it. You can go to prison right now and do surveys and you're going to see a breakdown of families and a lack of father's influence. Over and over and over from one thing to another with crime, with poverty, with dropout rates, all connected with fatherlessness. And in the scriptures, y'all, fatherlessness is always correlated with lack and poverty. Study the scriptures. Deuteronomy 24 19, God told the children of Israel, he said, when you plant your gardens, when you plant your vineyards, when you plant your, your fields, and when you go to reap your harvest, he said. For, uh, he said, "Remember that you leave part of the corners. Remember, remember, uh, um, um, Naomi was gleaning. She was poor, but they, they they would leave the corners for the poor people to get something to eat. And so God told them that there was a command for God, from God that you don't take all your harvest, but you leave the corners of it for the." for the poor but he goes on more specifically he said when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field you shall not go back to get it it shall be for the stranger and for the fatherless and the widow he's saying the poor job 29 and 12. job thought surely this should not be happening to me because i've done what god told me to do He says, I have delivered the poor who cried out and the fatherless and the one who had no helper. Fatherlessness is always equated with poverty in the scripture. Psalms 82 and 3, it says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. So in the scriptures, God highly esteems and he even encourages marriages for three primary reasons. One of them, let's go back to what we've been talking about. Now, the first one is sexual pleasure. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> but for sexual pleasure. Now, I am not telling y'all just go out here and get Buddha and walk down to the aisle just so you can have some sexual pleasure. Please don't lose the revelation with the illustration. There should be some qualifications even put around that. And though the Bible says it's, bad, it's better to marry than to burn, he is not simply say just go get with anybody so you don't burn anymore with your passions. He said all things being equal to, to if you have a passion and a desire for sex, like I did at a very young age, that's why I got married young, okay? Because I was burning young. okay I, I, if if i could have waited till 30 35 to stop to start burning then then we could have held off but so much would not have happened so sexual pleasure y'all was intended by god to be a benefit of marriage and the marriage covenant and to encourage you to procreate and to produce the root word of pleasure is please so marriage sexual pleasure is supposed to be pleasing. To be pleased means to, be, to enjoy and to be satisfied. Somebody shall satisfied. Okay? Now somebody said, whatever it is, just do it. do it. Do it. Now I'm not saying that. But somebody said that. Genesis 18 and 12, when God told Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah heard she was about to have a child, or, or that she could even, the thought of conceiving. Now you need to understand, okay? Sarah is like 90 when God tells her, you, you're gonna have a child. And Sarah said, and people try to spiritualize this, I ain't spiritualizing, I'm telling you what it said. Genesis 18, 12, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old, also. She wasn't saying, Shall I just have the pleasure of being able to rock a baby? She said, What? I'm going to be able to do it till I'm satisfied (laughs) at my age. And he even older than me. Maybe I could do so. He sure can't do nothing. That, that's what she was thinking. She said, Shall I have pleasure? I believe, I believe she's talking about sexual pleasure. How, how can this thing be at our age? The, the New Living Translation of Genesis 18:12 says, She laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master my husband is also so old. He wasn't just old. He was so old. <laughs> God said, yes, Sarah. You're going to have, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. Remember, oh, what, Remember he, he, he had already tried, they, they tried to do the surrogate thing. That's becoming more popular today, particularly among people who have resources of getting a surrogate. They have the child from They pay the Sarah. Somebody give birth and that's their child. Well, that, that's, that's as old as Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah tried to do that. God said, no, no, no. This ain't how we're gonna do it. We're gonna do this the old-fashioned way. You're gonna have pleasure. Somebody gonna scream, and then you'll have a baby. Oh, come on now, come on. Don't you? I'm sorry for those of you who ain't never screamed. God bless you. <laughs> Come on, make off altar call. If you're ain't never scream. Come on down here. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, give him a scream tonight, Jesus. Either one. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We were ah, It's just probably a good thing I can't remember. I was, we was talking to somebody recently and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, one of the spouses was talking about the other spouse. They would say when they get together, said they go off in tongues. Give him praise. So, even you scream out with praise, hallelujah. This is to the married folks, this is to the married folks. God intended, talk to the married people, for your marriage to be pleasurable. So you should enjoy your marriage and not merely endure your marriage. You should enjoy your husband, not merely endure your husband. You should enjoy your wife, not merely endure your wife. Deuteronomy 24 and 5. God God planned on marriage and, and to be so pleasurable, okay, even within the context of physical. Intimacy, Deuteronomy 24, he said when a man takes a wife, he should, he, he, he should not go to war, neither have any business for a whole year. I'm so glad that wasn't the rule when I got married. Lord, my wife woulda, anyway, worn me out, Jesus. But look at this, he shall, he shall be at free at home for a year. Some of y'all have noticed in the scripture, right? When he got married, no business, don't go to war. He shall be at home for a year so he can cheer up his wife, which he has taken. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. You're supposed to be cheering each other up. That, 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 That don't mean, come on, smile, honey this is talking about sexual intimacy for a year the message translation says: when a man takes a new wife he's not to go out to the army he's going to, or beginning any business or work duty he gets one year off simply to be at home making his wife happy that's in the word y'all that's how much God esteemed marriage Isaac was having so much fun and just enjoying himself with his wife when he lied to Abimelech and said, no, she's my sister because she was so fine, he thought that they were going to kill him and take his wife. So he said, tell him you're my sister, which is, that's a whole nother thing. I really don't understand that. I got some questions about that. A lot of people got all kinds of questions when we get to heaven. I got to ask Abraham and I got to ask Isaac, why were y'all going to let you put your wife out like that? No, seriously. Because it says they're gonna take, they're going to kill me and take you. Okay? So the truth of the matter, he didn't mind them taking her. Because they took her, they just didn't kill her. What's up with that? Whole, that's the whole mother, whole other thing. The Bible don't really address it. Okay? But look at this. And then so one day he's out there having fun with her. And I've tried to find all kinds of translations, see, but so I'm I'm putting mine in here. It says, Abimelech, uh, Genesis 28, 6, came to pass when he had been there a long time. Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out the window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting. He was sporting with Rebecca, his wife. He, I don't believe that means they were playing kickball. I don't believe that means that they were playing catch. No, no. He it said he was sporting. The New King James says he was showing endearment to Rebecca. The closest we get is, Message translation says he looked out the window and saw Isaac fondling his wife Rebecca. He was rubbing, and and you all get the picture. And the New King James says of Genesis 26 and verse 9, Abimelech. Called Isaac and said it. Now, quite obviously, she is your wife. So how could you say she's my sister? He said, "I ain't never rubbed on my sister like that." Isaac said to him, "Because I said, lest I die on account of her." God intended that sexual pleasure is to only take place within the covenant of marriage with your husband, with your wife. Okay, not just married people. Your husband, you God make this real plain today. Your husband and your wife.
0: If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.